Scandal, scandal, scandal everywhere you look. The scandal. The country's full of it. Political scandals, payoffs, bribes, nepotism, patronage, unsolicited contracts or untendered contracts everywhere you look. Lawrence McCauley, the solicitor general, is in trouble. The uh, uh, Cam Jackson lost his job. Sandra Pupatello's now in trouble. She's the one who blew the whistle on Cam, but apparently she's got some, some skeletons in her closet about this. It's a big issue, this whole issue of ethics in government. The Prime Minister's under fire from his backbench because the ethics counselor does not have enough clout. He doesn't want him to have clout. The backbench says, listen, we're getting crucified at home because people just don't buy the idea that we're not held accountable. You've got to do something. The Prime Minister doesn't want to, but now they're telling us that he's going to anyway. The backbenchers are going to get their way on that, and the ethics counselor or commissioner is going to have a little more teeth, which, you know, we assume would be a good thing. But it's, it's a very convoluted and involved question, and here to help us sort it out and make some sense out of it are two regulars on left, right, and center, Bob Metz and Jeff Schlemmer. Gentlemen, nice to have you here. Thank you, Jim. Let me ask both of you, uh, Bob, let me ask you to just slide that over there a little bit. Mm -hmm. There you go, that's good. Let me ask both of you about, uh, I I want to kind of break this up a little bit. I want to talk about one of the issues with uh, Lawrence McCauley. Hires his nephew to run his constituency office in PEI. I said yesterday on the program that I I didn't have a problem with that. That if he knew the nephew, if the nephew was capable and competent, that there are probably some real advantages for the voters there, for the taxpayers. He's going to have the ear of the uh, of the minister, uh, perhaps in a way that a, that a non-family member wouldn't have. If he doesn't do a good job, the minister's still going to be held accountable by his constituents. So it's to the, in the minister's best interest not to just, you know, hand him a job. It's in his best interest to make sure he can do it. But I said, you know, one of the toughest things to do in any business, and anybody will tell you this, is to evaluate people as you hire them and try to get a sense of what kind of workers they're going to be because you really don't know until they're in the job. People in the family, people you've known for a long time, you've got a better assessment of them. Um, I, I didn't get much support on the air. Most people said, nah, never mind that. You might be right, Jim, but never mind that. It's not appropriate to have a family member in a job like that. Bob, let me ask you, is there, how do you feel about that? Is there, is there a situation where that's okay, or do you agree with most of our callers yesterday that it's just, it's not seemly? I'm, I think I agree with both of, both of you. I agreed with your original assessment of it. That's not a big deal in and of itself. In fact, if I see a family member working with someone on a cause together, I usually think, gee, they got their act together. That's mm-hmm. nice to see a family that's able to work together. Um, then on the other hand, you have the issue of the fact that uh, um, this is a constituency office, not a party constituency office, but a riding constituency mm-hmm. office of an elected member. Mm-hmm. Is that correct? Yes. Um, in that case, you know, there's where I have to draw the line a bit. It is being paid for by taxpayer dollars. And it, it, again, it's a matter of appearances. But to speak to the to the larger issue, I mean, all that politics is these days, modern politics, is is a redistribution of wealth by some people for the benefit of others. And when we see it on a personal level, everybody gets up in arms about it when they see the politician giving some largesse to somebody he knows. But we cheer it when they give it to the riding for some noble purpose or or people get some money out of the government that comes from some er- other area of the country. We all think we've made a big, you know, some, some kind of a, a windfall or something, mm-hmm. and it never works out that way. So what we're seeing at the lower level of government, right on, the, on this concrete level, is the same as what's going on across the country from top to bottom. Over 90% of government is in the business of wealth redistribution. Less than 10% is justice and administration but if that's going if that's going on anyway don't you want to at least try to make sure it's done as efficiently as possible and and if you're going to have the opportunity to hire someone that's why i say that it looks bad yeah sure it looks bad but that's all it is it's just a matter of getting rid of the appearance you won't have changed 
the fundamental problem with government. And it's not going to save anybody a nickel in terms of taxes or anything like Jeff, that. Jeff, what about what, how do you what do you make of that particular story? This he hires his nephew, apparently a very competent guy. No question about his competence. That what hasn't been raised even by the people who've been after him for this. Nobody said the the guy just you know handed him a paycheck and he stayed home all day or anything. The guys there doing a good job. We're told. Is there anything wrong with that? Uh, I personally don't think there's anything wrong with it, although I'm aware that uh, one thing that, that, that happens with ethics is they're constantly shifting. And uh, I know that, for instance, um, last year, I think it was, that we totally revamped the rules of professional conduct for lawyers. And uh, what happens is uh, sort of things change uh, as time goes by. It used to be common, for instance, for one lawyer to act for both sides on a real estate deal. And over the years, uh, it became apparent that, well, it's kind of hard to act for both sides, you know, that uh, you're going to sort of favor the one or the other. They are, you know, sort of against each other. And uh, eventually it was decided, you know, just shouldn't really be doing that anymore and should cut it out. Uh, having said that, um, I think that the main thing people need to do is keep their eye on the ball and realize what you really want at the end of the day is efficient government or efficient business or whatever it is. And it's not always going to be the case that just because it's your relative who's working for you, you're going to be a worse run than you would be otherwise. Certainly there are lots of enterprises that are very badly run because people don't work well together. They don't mesh. They are you hire the wrong person for the job, whatever. Um, and the whole idea of hiring people who either you know as colleagues or friends or relatives, uh, as opposed to hiring people who you don't know from Adam, uh, I, I don't know that, that it's necessarily always wrong to hire people you know. Um, that often, uh, you know, you've hired people, I've hired people. Uh, resumes are not a particularly good way to tell how they're going to work out. That's right. But if you've known them for years, you know, you know there are goods and bad points, then, uh, then that, that, that gives you that kind of uh, at least baseline of knowing, I know what I'm getting here. And if the idea is to run an efficient um, government or business, then well, uh, knowing what you're getting is better than not knowing what you're getting. The there's been an assumption here about patronage, because that's what we're talking about is patronage. The patronage is a dirty word. And, that, and that's bad. And uh, Well, that, that's what I want to ask that's you about. That's a different story. But, but, but patronage in the sense that if you're giving somebody a sinecure, you're just giving them a paycheck, and essentially they don't ha you don't care whether they do a good job or it doesn't matter. I think we would all agree that that's not a good thing. Yep. But if you have at your disposal, because of the way our political system is set up, a number of jobs, and again, if you look around at people you know, people people you've worked with, people whose skills and talents you've evaluated, and you're able to put them into those jobs, is not the public being well served by that? Well, that's the thing. It's like, for instance, as, yeah. as a business, if you do business with other other family members who are in business as well because they give you really good prices, is that bad for your shareholders? Well, no, you're getting really good prices. On the other hand, if you're paying inflated prices because of your family members, that's a bad thing. Now, there are people, though, who would like to see patronage done away with altogether. Bob, is that is well, that? Well, I, I, th I think you have to be careful. I think what you just described, I don't define as patronage. I define patronage as being that specific point where the person's only getting an appointment or a job because of a connection they have and that has nothing to do with their talents. That's what patronage is. But if, there is if, there's if the person certain, has yeah. the talents but happens to be related... Then you've got an image issue. That's that's less to do with the issue of patronage, I think. Uh, but I think there is a short circuiting we can do, though. Like for instance, take a the short A short circuiting sure. in the sense that, I've, having you know, having said what you need to do is look at are they doing a good job or are they not doing a good job. When Lawrence McCauley stood up and said this contract I negotiated with my whatever he was a political advisor or mm -hmm. whatever was a good contract, that didn't that didn't cut any mustard with me. <laughs> it was just like, no, you shouldn't have done that. Th that just does look bad. Um, and partly because I think that there is a sort of an expectation in government that you don't do business with the people who are advantaging you politically. And I yet it happens every day. So Sheila Copps is now in the news uh, because just one of her major supporters, is uh, they discover, has got 700 well, how, how can it be otherwise? How can we expect politicians to be supported by strangers? They're going to be supported by the people who know them and vice versa. It can't work any other way. It's the way the universe is built. But should people know? be ex- should people be ex excluded then 
from getting government contracts if they're working, for example, on a campaign for somebody? Should that take you out of the running for a, gov- on a subsequent government contract? No, if you're, if, you're, if you're submitting a contract and you have a service to offer and it's fairly bidded on, you know, fairly competed for, and you are held to it, that is, if you meet your terms, or if you don't, you are held accountable. Mm-hmm. I don't see why anyone shouldn't be allowed to take that contract. Well, part of the problem is it's, it's often too hard to tell. It's hard to tell whether it's a good deal or a bad deal. And you're talking about the uh, the city building. Is it a good deal or a bad mm-hmm. deal? Right? It's well, that's why the city shouldn't be in that business at all. No, no, but I'm, I'm just saying that, that if we if we say, look, it's okay to do business with your uh, campaign manager or whatever, um, you know, as long as it's a good deal, we spend all our time assessing whether these are good deals or not. So yeah. there are some forms of shorthand we've ad- adopted to say, you just shouldn't do that. That's just 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 a no no, and you know when people are in politics, they do it for different reasons, and lots of them do it for reasons of uh, networking and sort of uh, making making sort of contacts that are going to serve them well in business. But to actually have a physical transfer of money to somebody because they donated or time to a political campaign, I think everybody says is unseemly, and it just astonishes me that it continues to happen because um, I, I just don't know how people can think they're not going to get found out. And and one of the things I'm conscious of them saying, you know, politicians live their life under a micro, microscope and so on, and and I make a distinction between things you did in your past before you got there versus the day you're elected, to me, you have to know what the rules are. Mm-hmm. And given that they're going to shift from time to time, that's fine. But then you better be expected to be uh, scrutinized microscopically for those things. I think there's nothing wrong with that at all. Uh, Bob Metz and Jeff Schlemmer with us today on this edition of Left, Right, and Center talking about political ethics and nepotism and patri- uh, patriotism. Patriotism. <laughs> well, patriotism, too. Uh, and we'll continue with our discussion. If you'd care to join us, please feel free. The lines are open at 643-1290. We've been talking about, well, about ethics in government, ethics in politics. I guess if, if, uh, maybe we could simplify a little bit. If we trusted politicians more than we do, many of these things might not be an issue. I mean, if we, if we trusted them to do the right thing and act responsibly and ethically, I think we'd probably give them more leeway to, you know, hire their sons and daughters or nieces and nephews or brothers and sisters. They have far too much power, and that's why we don't trust them. You can't trust anyone with unlimited power, Mm -hmm. basically. Power should be very limited, but when you're in the business of wealth redistribution, you have to have ever-increasing power in politics, and that, I think, destroys all ethical bases. Uh, what's that saying? You know, power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. Mm-hmm. And the corruption is endemic in everything. It's even good people can't be honest within a corrupt system. Often when I use the word corrupt, by the way, I'm not always talking about an ethical or moral issue, something mm-hmm. that just doesn't work. You know how computer people talk about a corrupt file in yes. your computer? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, what it causes the computer to crash. It's mm-hmm. not an evil file, although mm-hmm. in terms of your objective of having a good computer running, it is evil in that sense. Yeah. And that's what happens in government. When I, A lot of what we call corrupt government is a recognition of the fact that this doesn't work in practice. You can't run things this way. Part of the part so, of the shift, uh, or part of what I guess uh, people have to watch out for too, is that the obvious solution anytime something goes wrong is to impose a lot more paperwork and a lot more sort of oversight and all that kind of stuff, which is red tape. That's where red tape comes from. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, if the idea again is to get the sort of most bang for your tax dollar, on the one hand, you want them to be sort of uh, over uh, watched somewhat by a commissioner or something, but you don't want somebody over their shoulder all the time because then you got to pay for the person and you got to pay for the person who's over their shoulder and all the paperwork they generate. And so. So to me, it's this question of being sort of strategic and, and smart about it and recognizing exactly what is the exact problem here. Can we deal with that and then not have to have some kind of a broad thing that's going to apply? Now everybody's got to do this huge, big thing um, because of what the, that's... And I think that's a lot of why uh, government becomes less efficient than business in a lot of cases because business doesn't have that same degree of scrutiny about everything because the Walmart guys, for instance, just aren't going to pay for it all. But having said that, they're very strategic. If a person's a problem, they're gone. Mm-hmm. You see, that, I think that speaks... 
in a way to why we distrust politicians in a way. There's no way to measure their merit. We can say that we're going to hire someone in government on merit, but how do you know whether you got them on merit mm-hmm. or not? How mm-hmm. do you know what 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 is the result you want that you want to prove to the public that proves that you have achieved X accomplishment? The only thing that governments and politicians ever use as evidence of something they've done for you is how much of your money they spent. Mm-hmm. Well, look at this. We spent a billion dollars on health care. We mm-hmm. did this. They don't tell you anything specific about what's going on right down there at the concrete level. Mm-hmm. Everything is measured in terms of how much money they spend. And that's why when you get a, uh, I forget what it was, uh, the, the fund note was that billions were squandered on and that kind of thing, you know, and everybody was upset. Because, the HRDC. Yes. Yeah. Um, well, to me, I thought they were 100% successful. They spent the money. That's what they were empowered to do. Spend that money. Give it out to businesses. Share the wealth. And then everybody gets upset because they didn't give it to the right business or to this proper business. Well, how do you know that? You'd mm-hmm. never know that. Only a free marketplace even has the mechanism that makes it possible. Well, the next part of it is, again, that then they say they can't find paperwork on this, that, and the other thing, which astonishes me because every time I've dealt with government, especially the federal government, it's one thing they the paperwork is just, <laughs> just... What they mean is they don't want to go <laughs> looking for it. Well, what should, you know, what should we make of that, too, when they tell us this? And they, they, they actually say that with a straight face. You know, oh, we can't find that. Well, I can't believe that either. Well, and both you know, age, age of I've had that happen to me with the human rights. Yeah, I was going to say, bo- both you guys have dealt, have dealt yes. with that. Both you guys deal with governments in your, in your professional capacities. And you know, just like Jeff just said, I mean, mm-hmm. there's, there's paperwork up the yin-yang. Oh, and it's, and it's on hard drives all over the place and everything else. And it's like, well, if the dog ate it, you know, you can bet it's backed up uh, in three so how, why do So why do we let them get away with that? Because they, they still well, say... we don't let them. I don't want to let them. But what can I do? They've got the gun and I don't have the gun. My gun's been taken away. They mm-hmm. get the gun. Mm-hmm. How do you stop somebody like that? They've got the force of law behind them. And uh, we use freedom of information to get at some of the records we wanted the Human Rights Commission. We wanted to know how much money they were spending on specific cases where they were mm-hmm. harassing people. And they, they first told us that they didn't keep records on such things. So we had to ask them a clever question. We asked them, well, what law gives you the right not to keep records? All of a sudden, the records appeared. Oh, we found them, mm. right? You have to question authority before authority questions you. That's a rule to live in a free society if you want to keep it free. And it's amazing how when a person's authority is questioned, I find in politics that most officers, whether they're administrators, bureaucrats, or politicians, don't really understand the authority under which they operate or or how much authority they have or don't have. Mm -hmm. And when you question it, you can stop them cold. They can't quote a law or a statute or, oh, we're doing this by this. No, we've just done it like this all the time, you know? But part of it, too, is that there, it's not like people see an alternative in the sense that the uh, the, the way things go wrong, whether it's patronage or, or uh, uh, misused money or whatever, seems to happen with all the parties. The parties are distinct based on ideology. But all the same like, ideology. And they all say, we'll never do this, and then they all do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. what's the choice? Well, I just want to mention to you, coming up right after the 11 o'clock news, Deputy Mayor Russ Monteith will be back with us. He's gone and done uh, some homework for us, and we're very appreciative of that. He's going to come back and try to straighten out this, uh, the downtown J. J. Allen Taylor building uh, question mark. So uh, stay with us right after the 11 o'clock news for that. Uh, What about a guy like Lawrence McCauley, who who, okay, uh, set aside the nephew issue because I don't think that's a serious problem, and neither of you guys do either, except perhaps uh, from a cosmetic point of view. What about some of the other things that he's done, these untendered contracts and whatnot? There was a time in our parliamentary system when he would automatically have been gone, basically at the second whiff of there being a problem. You get a, but you get about one whiff, but the second whiff that something was wrong, you just, uh, you're automatically out of there, because that's the way the system worked. Still, to a certain extent, works that way in Great Britain, more more so than here. Here, cabinet ministers can survive anything, so long as the prime minister 
retains his confidence in them. They can they can weather any storm. They can brave the house. They're not in any danger as long as the prime minister says they're okay. And it's a two-way street. That's how the prime minister stays well, there too. Yeah, I'm not going to argue <laughs> that with you. Uh, well, as a liberal, it's 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 embarrassing, and uh, there's no question to me that he should be out of there. And uh, as you say, it used to be the case with cabinet that you you would go in and go out like uh, Churchill. God, he was in there like a revolving mm-hmm. door. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was the thing that there was ultimately responsibility of the minister for whatever happened. In this case, when I've listened to him giving his explanations on the news each night, they just don't sound credible to me. And it just plays to all the worst stereotypes of, of pork-barreling liberals. And I compare that to what uh, what Ernie Eves did with Cam Jackson, where it was like, you know, uh, Jackson sort of said his expenses were 50000 turns out they were 103000 Well, you're gone, buddy, mm-hmm. out the door. Mm-hmm. And uh, good for him for doing that. They should do it a lot more. Why, d- what do you think is going to happen with McCall? I mean, uh, obviously, he still has the confidence of the Prime Minister, and the, and the longer this goes on, the more difficult it gets to dump him, because the PM has been saying, well, this guy's okay, he's okay, he's okay. Yeah, well, to some extent it does, but like Art Eggleton got the chop last year for something similar to that. Like, it certainly does happen. But now he's whining that he shouldn't have gone. Well, right, that's the latest problem. But I I, I predict that within two weeks, Lawrence McCauley will be gone, but in the meantime, we poor liberals have to twist in the wind, figuring out, do we try and defend the guy, or we just say, we don't know why they're not hurfing him out either. Um, To me, again, for things like that, if we're to have any credibility and to say we're not like that, then we've got to do things when these things come up, and also hopefully get the message across to the other guys, look, we thought we told you last year, cut it out, stop doing crap like this. It's just Je- Jeff earlier to me. Jeff earlier you're talking about how ethics in law was constantly shifting and you refer to the example of a lawyer who was acting for both sides. I don't think that's an ethic issue. I think that's an issue of stupidity acting for both sides because you can't represent two interests at one time. But it was that's cheaper. that's ha- why they used to do it. I understand that. So. Yes. But but it's not an ethical issue. The lawyer may be honest. Uh, honesty is a very objective thing. You you know, you might be stupid about what you're doing, but mm-hmm. you're o- operating on honest principles. Yeah. The problem is, whose interests are you operating in? And when we're talking yeah. about politicians like Mr. McCauley, you have to ask, whose interest is he operating in? Is he operating in the best interests of the public, or is he operating in the interests of his own sphere of influence? And I think any savvy voter has to understand it has to be more of the latter than the former. It just works that way. And that's another reason why we have to limit the power of government. It's because, I mean, if you give me unlimited power, me, Bob Metz, I might be tempted to use it too. Mm-hmm. Don't give it to me. Please. I don't want that temptation sitting in front of me. And we have to have uh, that taken and removed from the hands of politicians. They're just into too many things that they shouldn't be doing. If they were delegated to their proper functions, we might have a unified country. I mean, here we have in this country, you know, we're talking about the loss of sovereignty. Well, there's only one thing that loses the sovereignty of the country, and that's that's the disintegration of its military force. It's the only thing that gives you sovereignty in the long run. You've got to mm-hmm. be able to use that club to defend mm-hmm. your land. Just like your sovereignty over your home is based over the same thing. And well, when, you know, yeah, it's, it's a lot more to it. It's not a well, question more to it than that. I'm, I'm simplifying it. I realize that. Because you, you, you occupy a particular space in a, in, a, in a civilized society. You don't have to have all kinds of weapons to defend it because you've got courts and things. Y- but y- but you do if you Bob people are using weapons against you to take seem, it from This seems you. to be the year, though, of corruption all over. Like, business has just had a terrible time this year, with particularly the United States. All the corruption that's come out there, we see about Tyco mm-hmm. today, you know, and how, uh, you know, at the same time as, uh, what's his name, the uh, head of Tyco was being investigated by the Securities Commission, uh, the, the board gives him what is $160 million, and it turns out he defrauded them of another $600 million with fraudulent stock options, and the question is, uh, to me, you look around and go, well, somebody's got to do things, somebody has to build cars, somebody has to build roads and all that stuff, who does it, who do you trust at the end of the day? The person this, this who gets the job done at the, trust at, the, anybody. At, the, at the cheapest price, who's honest? You I mean, know, the argument has been made that one of, the, honest. one of the ways to fix this is to 
to hang a few people from the nearest tree. And, 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 and I don't mean to oversimplify, but the idea that we have not we have not chastised people for lack of ethics in public service or in business for a very long time. There was a time when we did hang people from trees for defrauding the Well, public. that's when there was sure. ethics and a standard of principle in politics. That's gone now. Got Gord on well, the line with us. Guys, mm -hmm. I get you to put your headphones yeah. on here. Uh, good morning, Gord. Hello, good morning, sir. Yes, sir. Hello? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say, you, you know, you want to take uh, power away from uh, government, which is you know, understandable, but who are you going to give it to? Enron and World Bank? I mean... Not giving no it to anyone. Politics. Get, mean, not like, giving it to anyone. The, the opposite of the government having power is the people having power. The whole, the marketplace of, of free exchange and contract. Oh, and the power of the government <laughs> is to be the, to be the uh, arbitrator, to be the referee, to make sure that if I promise you something or you promise me something, then the government is in there to enforce that promise. It do, it's not there in the business of making the promise. Well, I mean, it seems like it, uh, government was kind of invented in a way. That which? Government was kind of invented in a way to watchdog business. And, uh, no, that's not what government was invented for, because business didn't exist at the time governments first came into existence. Only people had small things. The government was invented in its legitimate concept to prevent people from killing each other, basically, and from stealing and robbing from each other. Today we have socialism where we do it all legally. <laughs> but there's no and, that, and that, by the way, is the that. reason for the, the for for the for the that? destruction of the country and morality and ethics in politics. Maybe the economic system needs to be tweaked. I mean, like maybe it all goes together: uh, politics, business, economics. Well, sure, but I guess that the other part of it is you look at business and uh, you look at uh, all the scandals that have happened this summer, uh, particularly in the United States, but in Canada, too, that uh, uh, John Roth and Nortel is in, in trouble, that there's all these uh, companies in trouble. Not one person has gone to jail mm -hmm. in any of that at all. And few of them will. No, that's right. And again, few of them will. you talk about uh, sort of figuratively hanging somebody from the yard arm. It's not going to happen. We all know it's not going to happen. They're going to get away with it. Uh, even um, uh, Chainsaw well, Dunlop. Chainsaw Dunlop stole 100 million bucks from Sunbeam and ends up paying a $15 million damage settlement and mm -hmm. keeps the rest. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and we're so cynical about it all. I just don't know what the alternatives are. Yeah, Gord, appreciate your call, sir. We gentlemen are out of time, but uh, we will pursue those alternatives on an upcoming edition of Left, Right, and Center. Thank you to Bob Thanks, Metz Jim. and Jeff Schlemmer. Thanks Always a pleasure. And thank you for being part of this program.